So this is the recording for Nayana updates. I'll be clapping in a bit. One, two, three. Hello again and welcome back to the Overlook Live podcast where we spend time finding the magic in the mundane. I'm your host, Jeff Mercado. So as you can see, this is a pretty special episode, not the usual format where I'm just a voice behind the background, but instead it, it's a whole video and the reason for this um, special episode is because we would like to thank, this is our way of thanking everyone who has helped us and Yana in particular over the past few weeks as she went through her ordeal in the hospital. Okay, so in a way, this is how I would have wanted to recap the story had we met face to face. But because of the pandemic, we are limited to using uh, these types of technology. So humor us a little. We'd like to share or recap her story for you. This is the story of Yana Haima Season Mercado, the baby you prayed for and the one you sent help for. So maybe to give you an outline of source as to what's going to happen in this episode, there are three ma- three major parts. So first, I'll the first part I'll try to describe her condition, as to why she was admitted to the hospital in the first place, and then I'd be I will be describing the timeline, the whole seventeen or eighteen days that we spent in the hospital, um, helping Yana recover, and then you know all the drama that happened in between. And then there's going to be one particular day that I would like to focus on because that, that's what I would consider the worst um, day of our lives as a couple and, you know, as a, a, as a parent as a whole. And finally, I will talk about some reflections and these reflections will be fleshed out even further in, in future episodes. So I hope that's clear. <laughs> okay, so sorry if I also sound like a teacher because I am a teacher. Anyway, let's begin. So her condition... Um, Yana was initially diagnosed with mild to moderate hydrocephalus. This was discovered or this was suspected when she was around two months old. Okay, so when we went to a to a usual to a usual um, consultation with a, with our pediatrician, he noted that she had a very stiff or she had a very tense fontanelle, and that alarmed us a little because normally that that part of the head, the the space in between the skull, is, is supposed to be soft or even depressed. In her case, it was bulging a little, and it, and it was it felt like you were touching a pillow rather than rather than something softer than that. So when we had her, when we when we ran some tests for her, when we sought out the help of a neuro neuro uh, pediatrician, he had a test where there was a cranial ultrasound, and then it was confirmed that indeed she did have mild to moderate hydrocephalus, but they wanted to not make any interventions yet because it seemed to be the case where it could somehow correct itself or it was or it was self-limiting but after a few more weeks uh, when further tests were made they came to the point they came to the conclusion that she needed intervention and the intervention that, that she was going to go through was what what they called a vp shunt or essentially is what um, that's where they insert a tube from the skull to directly to the brain to the ventricles where the where the excess fluid is being formed and then it will be drained out from from the skull and then there's a there's a track that goes all the way to the stomach so it's a so, so it's a pretty standard procedure it's it's a procedure that's given to many patients who have hydrocephalus and the success rate is actually really high so we had no we, we had no reason to really worry about it okay so 
when we finally arrived at the hospital, when we, when we admitted her to the hospital, um, she went through preliminary screening. So she had an X-ray with her. She had a blood test just to make sure that she didn't have any infections prior to the prior to the surgery. And all of the tests came back with all the all the tests came back negative. So she was cleared for the surgery. And then on on the surgery day itself, on, on a Saturday, we. I mean, Jules and I were we wheeled her into the into the uh, operating room, and then the doctors took her away, and we prayed. <laughs> we prayed hard for for the next two hours because the doctor said that it would normally take that long for the procedure to to be completed. So after our after a very long two hours of waiting in in uh, of waiting anxiously. We the doctors came out. They said that the that the surgery was a success, that the procedure went as planned, and now that re- and now that Yana was now in recovery. So, by the time that she was returned back to our room, the doctor said that you know there's going to be a three to day, there's going to be three or four days worth of 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 observation, just trying to make sure that she doesn't have any infections or she she did she didn't acquire any infections after the procedures. Okay. However, <clears throat> what, what what we found a little alarming at first was that when she finally woke up from from her sedation, we tried to feed her using her her bottle, her usual her usual milk. She would after maybe five minutes she would vomit it all out. So we so we informed the doctor of, of these um, updates and they they were taking notes and they're going to run some more tests the next day. Okay, so. That that evening and the afternoon and the evening, we were trying to feed Yana, but she just couldn't um, tolerate the milk. And then, when the blood tests came back for, for after after surgery, because that's that's the procedure, it showed that she had a decreased levels of hemoglobin. That means that um, her there was they were suspecting that there's a hemorrhage somewhere, and they wanted to make sure that. Um, they wanted to make sure they wanted to narrow down where where that bleeding is coming from either it, it might be coming from the brain or from the shunt that was just inserted or it can be coming from the stomach where the end of the tube for the shunt has been has been inserted as well <clears throat> so they wanted to rule out um either of the complications but this is a this is a you know an un, an unwelcome complication so she she needed so while we waited for her scheduled ultrasound the next day, she was supposed to receive a blood transfusion in order to replenish the the hemoglobin levels that she had. Okay, but well, <laughs> things happen in the hospital that the blood transfusion that was supposed to be given at Saturday on Sunday evening was only given by Monday. Okay, so it's a little frustrating, but these things happen in the hospital so so by that time so from so on monday um when when she woke up oh sorry in the morning yana was just asleep and whenever i would check up on her i would all i i I would usually touch her legs her her feet just to make sure that she's not cold and for some reason no even though the the AC unit in the room has been turned off and and even though she's been wrapped with blankets whenever I would touch her her legs her feet would always be cold and I was wondering why is that the case I mean is she there, there must be something wrong and then by the time 
um, by the time lunch came, the the scheduled the, the scheduled cranial ultrasound was already um, ongoing. So we went down, and then we were able to confirm that there was no hemorrhage in the brain. There was no bleeding in the brain, and in fact, the 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 earliest results showed that the ventricles that were that that were essentially her hydrocephalus had shrunk to to the degree that that they were no longer um she no longer had hydrocephalus anymore so in a way the vp shunt procedure was was a success okay now this is where things got very i mean things ch changed for for the worse so after lunch uh, yana yana wakes up suddenly okay and she started crying she was crying in pain and when i when i carried her she was already shivering she had she uh, her her hands were cold her feet were even colder and no matter how much i tried to comfort her normally when i would carry her she would stop crying but 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 during this time she was just inconsolable i could not stop her from crying when uh, when a nurse came by to to check up on all of her vitals i told her we have to call the doctor because she she's in pain and the nurse contacted the doctor and a few minutes later the fellow who was who was assigned to yana came by examined her and had a very concerned look in her face because she noted that um yana was was already her stomach had enlarged okay and it wasn't soft anymore it was pretty hard already so she she immediately ordered an, an x-ray to confirm or to see what's ha what's, what's going on in her in her stomach so as soon as she mentioned that we all went down we we we, we left the room we we went down to next to the to the offices where they had the scans and when they had the when they conducted the x-ray results it showed that she had she had what they called the abdominal distension so essentially there was gas buildup in her in her stomach and it was all the telltale signs of an infection so the upon returning to our room our lead doctor our uh, our neuro our neuropediatrician informed me explained to me that um ever since we mentioned to him and and to the fellows that yana has not been able to tolerate the milk they were already suspecting that she might have acquired some form, some form of infection and the x-ray already confirms that and that we are going to expect that her condition is going to worsen that she was going to, ex to experience a high-grade fever any minute and in order to monitor her properly she was going to be sent to the ICU okay now while waiting for the ICU um, ward to prepare for to prepare to accommodate Yana um, our fellow uh, ordered that she be sent from our room all the way to the nurse station so that she can be monitored more closely and that that and at least the materials that, that they will need to intervene for her will be readily available. So I carried Yana from from her bed all the way to to the nursing to the nurse station. And as we as we as we laid her down on on the bed, um, she began to you know, she just couldn't stop crying. And it was so hard to watch her tremble in pain tremble from from the fever that, that was about to break in her and it, it it felt humiliating it felt embarrassingly helpless i 
couldn't do much to to make my baby feel better and the when the when the doctors came that w- when the ICU doctors came they immediately checked her vitals and what they saw was that she had very, she had dangerously low blood pressure she was burning up with high grade fever she was at 38.8 by, by the time that they arrived and the oxygen saturation in her in her hands and her legs were extremely low and that she was just crying in pain so all the telltale tell, tell, tell signs that she really needed attention so to relieve the pressure in her that was building in her stomach that was causing more or less the distress the, the distress breathing in her they had to insert a tube okay a tube that would go through her nose and that would slither down her throat all the way to her stomach and would act as an express way of, for the gases to escape and it was hard to see Yana choking. She was choking at first from the procedure. It was nor it, it it was normal, it was necessary, but it was hard to watch. It's hard to watch your baby suffer. And then when the when they finally installed the tube from her nose all the way to her stomach, when they opened that little I guess lock at the end at the end of the tube and then they placed the plastic to to collect whatever was coming out it was really it was clear that her stomach was building a lot of gas because the moment that they opened it up it was there was a lot of pressure that came out and so pretty soon the, the bag was getting filled with her gastric juices all the more confirming confirming that there's something wrong and after a while after they were able to successfully um um, install that particular that particular tube they then gave her a breather a very small breather that, that was on her mouth because her oxygen levels were really were dangerously low so if you can just imagine our baby she has a she has a, the dextrose needle on 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 her left hand okay she has a tube on her in her nose that slithers down her throat and now she has a breather in her and then all the while she has these um they're like clips that they that they attach to the fingers to monitor the to monitor the um oxygen levels and then they have, they've also placed these um what do you call these these are like sensors that monitor her breathing and monitor her heart rate so she was a lot of apparatuses were plugged to her and she was crying and it was very hard to watch so when when they were trying when they were trying to stabilize her Jules and I decided to pray and we decided to pray the rosary even though our voices were breaking in between the exchanges and we felt that we couldn't stop praying no matter what happened that if we stopped praying we were going to lose our baby that's how, that, that, that's how we felt and to make things worse i guess to make things even more dramatic um, it was raining that day. It was raining hard and lightning strikes were really close by that it, it only took a few seconds that once you saw the flash a roar of thunder would, would rumble in and All the while as we were praying as we were as we were holding on to her to, to Yana We can see I could see her eyes rolling around Okay, because of the high-grade fever that she was experiencing and every now and then she would pass out because she was in pain and 
there's so many things happening to her and all we could do was we were praying behind our masks behind her behind our face shields we were holding on to her we held we all we held on to her little frame as if that was going to stop her from going anywhere we were determined that she was going to stay where she was and then right after we ended our rosary as if on cue she opens her eyes and she looks at us with such resolve she looked at us even in behind her mask behind her breather she looked straight into our eyes and she, as if she looked so victorious for a moment she looked like she returned from some battle and that she won and that the worst of it was over and the doctors when they saw that she was already stabilizing they they settled down a little okay so when they waited for the other ICU teams to arrive and then they, they explained everything that happened to her and it was scary it was scary to watch it was also painful to watch everything unfold the way the way it did and we were just grateful that she re that Yana responded well to the interventions that the ICU doctors did there was one intervention where because her but because she was burning up with fever they ne they needed to to insert they needed to uh, administer a particular drug on her to stabilize her breathing to stabilize her her temperature and they had to do it quickly so they had to use her dextrous de her suero or dextrous needle to insert it quickly and you could see from yana that she was reacting pretty painfully from it because the quick insertion of the liquid into her bloodstream made her i guess made her feel that made her caused her so much pain but anyway there was a lull when she stabilized her, when, when her condition stabilized and this is when we began to call our families this is the part this is the time when i essentially broadcasted on on my facebook account that we needed prayers that our baby is not yet out of the woods that our baby requires a lot more attention a lot more care we didn't want to lose our baby After a while, the doctors needed to run another set of blood tests on her while she had all these app apparatuses attached to her. So at this time at this point Yana was already calming down. Her she wasn't she was still breathing distressfully. Okay, however, she was not she wasn't crying as much anymore. And the infection, what it did was it made her it made her whole body bloat a little. Uh, bloat a lot. So the so it looked like she was a fat baby when in fact she wasn't and that was a problem because they couldn't find her blood vessels from which to draw the blood from they couldn't they couldn't get get it directly from the iev because she was still receiving receiving a lot of the important nutrients so she because they were they were having such a hard time finding finding the blood vessel they, they made many attempts <laughs> on her right hand on her right wrist 
And that made her squeal. That made her squirm. In pain. They couldn't get it right. Despite their experience. Despite their expertise. Because it wasn't her condition was not making it any easier. There was not much we could do but offer her a finger to squeeze. I had to hold her legs down so that she wouldn't flail around. She was in that much pain. I just wanted it to end. At this point, Jules and I began to wonder, why is this happening to her? Why is this happening to us? This was supposed to be a routine procedure. How did it end up like this? So it was finally time to transport her down to the ICU ward okay and at that time she was she was very uncomfortable her her diaper was already overflowing with her urine the the blanket that we used to place on her on the nurse table or on her on her uh, bed was already soaked with either her blood or her her urine and she was rolling around you know that's how she is when she's very uncomfortable she's rolling around she's crying and we had to transfer her already and the transfer from the our ward was on, was on the second floor and the ICU ward was was at the, at the ground floor and when we trans when we were transporting her that one day that we were going to bring her down to the ICU or the elevated could accommodate us was not working. And what was challenging here was that her she had a breather on, so we had so someone had to had to carry a, a can of, of oxygen with them. And then she had all of these um, tubes and, and electrodes attached to her. So people were also carrying those 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 equipment as we as we were pushing her along the tight hallways the hallways also had these bed frames uh, that were that were arranged across uh, along it because I'm, I'm not sure why but there were just many bed frames around and as we go through these hallways her there was a time when her when her breather the tube of her breather got caught in one of the frames that, 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 that literally flew out of her mouth and we had to catch it and then had to reinstall it on her it was clumsy the, the the transfer was clumsy and frustrating and I guess to make it to make it all the more painful for me at least was that when she finally went inside the ICU ward she was wailing loudly I could hear her cry inside the room and because it was the ICU ward I could not come in and there was nothing more we could do and because of the pandemic situation there's a, the policy of the hospital was that um, there are two ICU wards. There's the COVID ward, and then there's the non, there's the regular non-COVID ward. So their procedure was that if a if a if a child needs to be brought to the ICU, they have to spend 
they have to be sent to the to the COVID ward first. They're going to give her a swab test to to see to see if she doesn't have any. Sorry about that. To see if she, if, if she doesn't have any um, COVID symptoms or or the disease itself. And that caused a lot more anxiety because we she needed ICU care, but we all, we also feared that she might contract the disease in in that ward, but nothing we can do because that's their policy what happened next was that when she when when she was wheeled into the ICU ward our ICU doctor told us that we had to wait outside for further instructions because she because he had to talk to the doctors inside that that COVID ward then, it, then he's, he's going to meet us outside again so 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 what what Jules and I did was that we sat we we waited outside but we went to a particular wall we leaned on the wall we held hands we slid down and then we just wept we were holding on we were holding each other and asking why is this happening what did we do wrong who did we cross in our lives? Is this karma? Is this what we deserve? That evening I had this desire, I had this thought that I want my baby saved because I want to be given the chance to override these awful memories, these awful experiences. I want to be given the chance where I can shower her with love, shower her with sun-filled memories that she will be grateful to be alive, that she would essentially forget all these. I know that babies don't build memories at this age, but if I'm going to let her build memories, I'm not gonna remind her of these. So when we finally got back to our room, we wept some more, we cried some more. And oddly enough, Jules and I found some consolation in the humbling fact that Yana, our daughter, is merely is merely lent to us. We don't own her, we don't we don't possess her. That because she's lent that if her stay is just if her stay on earth is just causing her more suffering then she might be better off returning to God's loving embrace it was a tough night we did manage to sleep but we slept in the room without the familiar rhythmic breathing of a little baby girl That was the worst day. The next few days after were a roller coaster of emotions for us. It was very difficult to get any updates from the ICU ward because I think that the doctors are more concerned about their patients than replying to watchers, <laughs> replying to the 
to the guardians of, of these patients. So whenever we did get news, um, we would get news that we got from that evening, maybe around midnight, she, we got news that Yana was feeling a, a, a lot more comfortable inside the ICU. That means she was no longer crying. She wasn't wailing anymore. She was able to sleep. Okay. Then a few hours later, we would receive news that her abdomen was growing again, was, was enlarging, and they were going to consider surgery to figure out what, what, what to, to look in as to figure out what's happening. So the the interval between these updates were very long. They were either eight hours or twelve hours in in between. And whenever we don't receive any news from the ICU ward, we're just going to take that as good news. Because whenever they give us updates, it seems that Rihanna's condition seems to be worsening all the time. But after two days in the in the COVID ICU ward, her results turned came back. Her swab test came back negative, and after a few more hours, she was transferred to the regular ward, and that brought us, us so much relief that she's no longer exposed to people who have the virus. And by the time she was transferred to the to the or, to the regular ward, she was shown to be more active. Okay, in fact, um, I was I was. I was with them when they transferred her to from the COVID ward to the regular ward, and when I when I took a photo, the doctors they ordered me to delete it. Again, that was a that was a mishap of mine because you can't take photos while you're inside of while while you're inside the hospital. So after a day in in, in the regular in the regular ICU ward. And that we are able now to get more more frequent updates. Um, in the evening, I think they or early morning they sorry in the evening they called me up. So a nurse came into the room, told told me that that I was being that the ICU doctors were looking for me. And when I w when I came to the to the ward, they were seeking my consent to form what they call an, I, an IJ cutdown or the internal jugular cutdown. When they, when they explained it to me, apparently, because Yana, Yana's condition is that she's still puffy, she was still bloated from the infection, they were having such a hard time uh, looking for another IV line for her. And they tried everything. They tried both, they bo they tried both wrists. They went to the elbows, they went to they went to the arms, to the forearms, they even went to the legs. Okay, they just couldn't they they couldn't secure a line for her to receive her 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 antibiotics and for her to receive her IV. So the last resort that they were that they were consenting they they were consenting for was that they're going to use a major art a major vet, uh, blood vessel in her neck. Which will now serve as the the entry point for her IV fluids for everything else. So it was it was a it was a surgery essentially, and I agreed. So after that uh, that quick procedure, um, she was back to the she was back to the ICU ward to recover, and then she was able to continue taking her antibiotics. So while we were in the ICU, the the doctors who 
were the 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 infectious disease uh, team they were they were trying to explain to me that the blood tests were coming out negative okay so that means they couldn't find any growth they couldn't figure out what was what, what was causing the, the infection in her blood okay and as a result they were giving her really high high a really powerful type of antibiotic that she could that she should not miss that's why that's why the need for the ij cut down anyway so later results of her blood test showed that she was that the uh, that she was responding well to the to the antibiotics a particular chemical <laughs> in the blood that, that was signified that 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 she had um, infection the lower that that particular chemical is found in the blood the lo that means that the lower is the is the gravity of the infection so they the the blood tests that they were taking are showing that 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 particular that that particular chemical was was it was at a decline. So good news, good news, good news. And then, um, when <laughs> when we had that good news, um, after maybe a few more a few more nights, we were called in again to to be informed that the ICU doctors saw it fit to call in a pulmonary con uh, consultant because as they were monitoring Anna, they would they would they would sometimes hear in her lungs some wheezing okay so it could mean that there's that that she developed pneumonia it could mean many things so they would rather have a specialist um check up on her and to see to rule out any kind of condition okay so again so, so there, there's good news and then after a, a while it's going to be bad news and that was our experience for for our stay in the hospital okay and then there was this one one evening when one icu doctor told us that even though there were no visiting hours technically for the icu um, wards because of the covid condition he was going to slip us in he was going to bring us in and so, so that we could see Yana and Jules and I when we were informed of that we waited we were, we were excited to for the evening to arrive so, so that we can finally see our daughter and we took turns because we couldn't have too many people inside the ICU so Jules went inside first and then after her turn it, um, she gave me her gown her 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 I think laboratory gown or something and then when I finally came inside I saw our baby her how she looked like was that she still had all of those apparatuses attached to her and she had her hands <laughs> tied <laughs> so, she, so, so she was seated on her bed her her hands were were wrapped with diapers and then her hands were tied to the rails of the bed because she would often scratch the part of sorry she, she would scratch the part of her neck where the IV line <laughs> is so they had to restrain her from that and what was again uh, difficult to to go through was that I couldn't take off my mask for her to recognize my face because I was inside the ICU ward so I just had to, I so what I did is I sang I sang to my baby I sang her songs her evening her evening songs because it, because it, it was 8.30 in the evening that time I touched her head 
letting her know that daddy was there and that I was so proud that she was such a fighter after that we were after my time I was reminded by the doctor that what he had just done to have it have let us go inside and see yeah that was not supposed to be done at all so we kept quiet up until you know up until now <laughs> when we're now sharing you the the story okay. and the days that came after was that she, she was in the ICU up until October 18 she was admitted there October 12 so that was around six days that she was in the ICU and that was our common experience of experiencing the good news and then having the bad news come along so whenever we didn't hear anything from the ICU we just we're just going to take that as a win okay. now on 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 October 18 she was finally well enough to leave the ICU we were excited to receive her in the normal room and, and when she finally came to the normal room um, <laughs> it, was a, it was a wonderful experience it's a wonderful feeling to finally have our baby next to us that I spent that <laughs> evening I guess just hugging her making sure that she doesn't forget this is how daddy loves her this is how much daddy loves her So from October 18 all the way to October 27, it's on, on the 27. That's when we were, that's when we were uh, discharged. <clears throat> okay, many doctors would come, from, people from the ICU, people from 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 the neuro team, people from the pulmonary team. They would come and visit Yana, monitor her, check up, check check up on her progress. And what was so heartwarming was that they were pleasantly surprised to see Yana becomes becoming so much more active, so much more life so much more so much more filled with life that the ICU doctors were even surprised that she apparently she was a chirpy bubbly little girl that, that the whole time that she was that she was um, stationed in the ICU she was just quiet looking around you know the very shy type of baby so they were happy to see Anna <laughs> okay. so by, by the end of the by the end of that week uh, the pulmonary consultant ruled out any immediate concerns about her lungs okay and the infectious disease consultant the one that was trying to figure out what 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 that um, infection was um, was happy that Yana was really responding well to the antibiotics and that at, and that at any time now that they can now be released now th there was one more consultant th that they brought in and and that was a, a cardiologist okay because <laughs> in one of her x-rays um, when they long story short we, we, we just wanted to see if there, was, if there was something wrong with her heart and what the what the pulmonary what the cardiologist found out incidentally was that she had two heart conditions so one condition was what they called a PDA or a patent ductus arteriosus essentially um, parts there are two blood vessels that shouldn't be um, connected but in Yana's case they are connected and they can be problematic in the future and that's why um, they will be monitored more closely 
And then and at the same time, when they checked up in one of the valves of her hearts, the she had a what they call a bicuspid aortic valve. So that means when you normally have three valves in your heart that, that pumps the blood, Yana only had two. So at the moment it's not causing any 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 concerns, but in the future they will have to keep monitoring it. So yes, um our baby is well. Our baby has recovered. Our baby has um, fought and won over the infection, but there are future consultations we would have to make so that so that, so that we can make sure that her life becomes more normal. Her life becomes more uh, less complicated. So finally, on the day that, that we were going to get discharged, we were able to make ends meet. Okay, so so behind the scenes, our par our parents were hard at work um, acquiring what we call the guarantee letters. So these let these are letters of help, or these are promises of help from congressmen, from senators, and and even from government offices to be able to sponsor our hospital bills. So our entire hospital bill was essentially sponsored by these guarantee letters and we were we didn't have to pay for anything anymore okay and at the same time the professional fees of the doctors they were pretty much covered by by the donations that most of you were able to give so thank you so much so we are going to there, there's still an excess from the donations and we're going to be using that for the future for the future um, checkups for yana so Yana's story, her story still continues. <laughs> uh, she will be monitored very closely for the next few weeks in order to make sure that the shunt in her head is working properly, and that her brain is now developing more normally than, than when she had the hydrocephalus. And eventually, they're going to monitor if her heart condition changes and if, if early intervention will be necessary. So today, Yana is a very bubbly girl. <laughs> She's very responsive. And that she's showing many of the milestones that her uh, that babies her age are able to show. Maybe except for the being able to sit down <laughs> on her on her own because she she has been lying down for the last three weeks. So we're, we're we're catching up on that. And I guess what's most important is that Yana taught us that she can be a source of our strength. That she is a fighter. That we don't we're not we cannot discount her that she will live that she seems to have a mission <laughs> she seems to have a higher purpose and that's preventing her from from and it's, uh, sorry and, and that higher mission is allowing her to live this long so as her parents uh, every day we carry her with with a lot more appreciation okay in fact we spend more time gazing at her we just Whenever we have a chance, we just look at her and be grateful for the fact that she's there. There are so many chances that she would not have been here anymore. But the circumstances connived in such a way that we have our baby with us, that she's here. And at the same time, we hug her longer. <laughs> Whenever I carry her, I spend an extra minute or two just hugging her tight and we kiss on her cheeks hard <laughs> harder than we have ever had before and every day we wake up the first thing we look for is her and whenever we fall asleep at night the last thing we look at is her 
that every day that we spend with her is a day we spend grateful. So that's it for now. Um, that's the story. That's the recap <laughs> of the baby you prayed for, of the baby you helped, and of the baby you are looking forward to, to hear more about. And thank you for making it all the way to the last part of this episode. Um, that's it for now. I'm Jeff Mercado. I'm the host. And I'll see you in the next one. Thank you.